16th century reformer John Calvin wrote, Man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols. There's an attraction in every culture and society to look to other gods or sources for guidance and provision. This might look like using tarot cards to predict your future, or relying on astrology, or making your intentions known to the universe. Today's business world is filled with individuals who often, like the people of Yahweh in Exodus, try to synchronize belief in God with other more tangible representations of his presence. Or they simply worship another deity or divine representative altogether. You and I need to be discerning and careful to not engage in these types of idolatrous beliefs and practices. True faith in God is, by definition in Scripture, exclusive. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. But the reality is, we can literally turn anything into another god or idol. Success, sex, power, status, money, affirmation, our own bodies, religion, work, and on and on it goes. Welcome to the Wisdom Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Bobo Beck, and I'm on a mission to help as many professionals as I can to think more critically and live more strategically, all from a biblical perspective. This is the way of wisdom. And this podcast is a companion to the Wisdom Calling devotional series, which I will say more about at the end. But in this episode, we're going to discuss the dangers of desire so that we can be more discerning as we navigate our ever-increasing syncretistic culture. So thanks so much for listening. After Jethro's advice to his son-in-law Moses in Exodus 18, which we discussed in the last episode, the people of God remained in the wilderness of Sinai. This was now three months after their deliverance from Egypt. And Yahweh was in the process of preserving them and setting them apart from the pagan people groups around them. He referred to his people as a treasured possession and a holy nation. Yahweh desired that his people would pursue moral excellence as a means of reflecting his own character to a watching world. So the narrative of Exodus shifts now in chapters 20 through 31 to focus on this specific covenant community and the ways that they should worship and work together. Exodus 20 records perhaps the most well-known set of instructions given by God, the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words. Like a national constitution, these words from God outline key instructions for how this new people of Yahweh should interact with Him and with others. This was for the purpose of creating a society that existed for God's glory and the good of all. 
the first word or commandment addressed God's exclusive claim for service and allegiance from his people. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. In a culture that possessed and worshipped multiple national, family, and personal gods, Yahweh demanded supreme worship. To be truly separate or distinct, God's people could not follow any other form of divine representation. Fast forward to chapter 32 and we read about an instance where the people of God formed a golden calf-shaped idol. There, Yahweh revealed again that he was a jealous God. Scripture says in Exodus 34, whose name is jealous. He alone was worthy of worship, commandment number one states. Yahweh's fourth word reminded his people of the richness of rest. Exodus 28, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This rest day was instituted from the very beginning. We considered it back in devotional four. Now some 2,500 years after the Garden of Eden, the people of God were to implement this day of rest as a sign of God's covenant with them. Sabbath was to be a lifestyle and mindset demonstrating that the people belonged to Yahweh and were sustained by his hand. On this side of Egypt, the weekly Sabbath was to be a means of remembering their redemption from slavery. Slaves were to be freed, and every seven years the land was to not be cultivated for a year. This was a pattern of work and rest. With the tenth and final word, Yahweh instructed his people not to covet what did not belong to them, which included houses, spouses, and possessions. Coveting or wanting, craving, desiring. Coveting in general was not prohibited. However, desiring things that were not theirs was. This addresses an issue of mind and heart and is connected to the first word dealing with worshiping other gods. Yahweh wanted his people to trust him as their provider and curtail their desires for the good of the broader community. In today's culture, the early 19th century philosophy of manifestation or the law of attraction has become increasingly popular. The basic premise is that there is a universal interrelatedness without a central deity. And as a result, we can create our own reality by carefully controlling our thoughts, controlling our beliefs, and our desires. This is sometimes associated with mindfulness, meditation, visualization. And what might appear on the surface as just positivity actually has its roots fixed in manifesting things or experiences that we don't currently have, which is the essence of a covetous heart. And marketing and sales experts might say the reason you aren't successful yet is because you haven't attracted or manifested success. This is even popping up in many churches. So we have to be so careful with this kind of thinking and with 
practices, even like vision boards, which can be helpful in setting goals, but can also be a means of just highlighting the idols of our heart. To what gods are you most tempted to worship or depend on? If you're like me, this is an ongoing battle because our hearts and our culture are continually pumping out new idols. You might believe in God and his word, but are also relying on things that are more tangible, that you can hold and physically experience. Even some of our worship experiences have been so influenced by sensuality, by me-centered individualism, consumerism, materialism, Gnosticism, etc. I would argue that when that is the case, it is not true worship of God, but rather a syncretistic, idolatrous form of worship. So may God give us the discernment we need to know the difference and the grace we need to repent when needed. Well, this isn't a fun topic to discuss, but it is a biblical one and much needed today. My desire really is to help you listeners to cultivate God's wisdom into your everyday lives and work, to think more critically, to live more strategically. This is the way of wisdom and the way that leads to true flourishing and blessing. This is what I desire for myself and what I desire for you. By the way, I referenced this earlier, but if you haven't taken the time to listen to my conversation with Dr. Will Gray in the previous episode, I encourage you to do so. It's longer than most episodes, but there is so much gold in there. Also, you've heard me talk many times now about the Wisdom Calling devotional series. Volumes 1 and Volumes 2 are available on Amazon. These include devotionals 1 through 60, which can cover at least two months or more of devotional material. And I've designed them specifically for professionals. They start in Genesis and follow the chronology of the Bible, tracing the theme of workplace wisdom throughout. So I'd strongly encourage you to get these devotionals for yourself, for your coworkers, those in your church, etc., But the big announcement is, drumroll please, Volume 3 is now complete, and it will be available soon, so stay tuned for more information. Volume 3 picks up after David, it covers some more of his psalms, and then transitions into the life and leadership of Solomon. King Solomon, David's son, He was known for his unprecedented wisdom and is credited for writing most of the book of Proverbs as well as a couple of Psalms as well. So we get introduced to Solomon as well as the wisdom literature in the book of Proverbs. We also consider the value of wisdom, where to find it, how to actually acquire wisdom. So I'm so excited for you to read through these devotionals from volume three. Again, these will be available to purchase soon, so stay tuned. Well, that is it for now. I'm so grateful for you that you would take the time to listen to this episode. If it has encouraged you in any way, would you consider one of these four things? One, would you consider sharing it with someone else? Would you consider posting it on your social media pages? 
Would you consider leaving a rating where you listen? And four, would you consider sending me some feedback? I'm always trying to improve, and your feedback is so helpful in that process. So thanks again. Until next time, grace and peace.